Guys, I am, I am excited to be back. Got a, a fresh fire in me and ready to dive in today. So you ready to look at the Word of God? Uh, one of the things I had an opportunity to do this summer as I had some extra time is I studied the Enneagram. Any, uh, any Enneagram fans out there? Some of you guys are like, yes. Some of you guys are thinking, weirdo. And uh, here's what I notice. Every five or so years, there's a new personality test or a new strengths test. I, just by a show of hands, I'd love to know how many people have taken a personality test, strengths test, gifts test. Would you just raise your hand? Wow. Almost every single person in this room. And, I, you know, I remember my first one was when I was in college. They said, we're going to figure out your personality. And so we're going to find out if you're a lion, a beaver, an otter, or a golden retriever. Like, what is, is this some like weird constellation horoscope thing? I found out it wasn't. And I, I bet you could guess what I am just by the mere fact that I impersonated Elvis Presley at our Christmas show. I'm an otter, love to have fun. So went from the, that test, then they introduced me to the DISC test, which is the D-I-S-C, what's your primary motivation? Are you dominant or influencing? Then I was introduced to the most uh, complex one. I think this is the most confusing, Myers-Briggs. Myers alphabet soup, right? ENF, you know, LMNOP, what are you? And uh, so we took that. And that's when I started noticing, oh, wow, people actually use these personality tests. Like, they even use it against each other. Like, you're such a T. Oh, my goodness. You're such, you know. And I, I was then in my church. They had me take a, 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 a spiritual gifts test. And then lately the craze has been the Enneagram. Right, the Enneagram has come out, and like we might as well just wear shirts with numbers on them, right? It's like a jersey these days. So, in case you're wondering who's preaching to you today, I'm an otter, I'm a high eye on the desk, I'm an ENFP adjusted to ENTJ in my job, and I'm a seven wing six. So, if you know that, you're like, we're gonna have a lot of fun. This is gonna be a wild ride. This church is gonna be a party. And if you're not like me, you're like, you better be realistic, buddy. And you better be analytical. And you, I need you to cross your T's and dot your I's. And if you're like my wife, you're like, hey, that's cool that you know what you are, but do not box me in. <laughs> right? You, I, <laughs> I'm an individual. I am not a number. I am not an animal. I am not, <laughs> I'm not a letter. <laughs> Steph's awesome with those. Um, here is uh, what I think. I, I love these tests, and, and I've had my staff take every single one of them. They help us understand ourselves. They help us understand each other. And, and one of the main reasons we're taking them is, who am I, and what do I do? But can I just tell you this? Can I just boldly say that you'll never find your life's highest contribution by taking a personality test or a strengths finder? You'll never find the most important thing through taking one of these tests. Why? Because they don't start actually in the biblical place. They all start by looking at me, by studying me. And you know what the Bible says is that we should start by looking at him. It's all about him. Jesus needs to be our starting place. And that's what we're talking today in our sermon as we talk about what is most important? What is most important? So this man comes up to Jesus. Sounds like the beginning of a joke. This, this man comes up to Jesus, 
and he just he wants to know what what should I do? Like I, I really want to know what the the most important thing is. And and we find it in Mark chapter twelve. If you want to turn there with me, we're gonna dive into Mark chapter twelve. If you have a paper Bible, open it up. If you got your phone, turn to it. You're gonna want to highlight, you're gonna want to underline, because this text is just full of revelation to transform our lives. So let's read it together. It says, one of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, and with all your soul, and with all your mind, and with all your strength. And the second is this, love your neighbor as yourself. There's no commandment greater than these. Well said, teacher, the man replied. That's hilarious to me. He's like, good job, Jesus. You're right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And then no one dared ask him any more questions. (laughs) Oh, I love it. It, Let's walk through this text and see what God has to say to us today, the first thing I notice is it says one of the teachers of the law. Now, usually when we read that, we know a teacher of the law, a Pharisee, they're kind of synonymous. So we think in our hearts, boo, boo, this is, this is a, a bad guy. This is a, a religious stickler. Can I just say, give this guy a break? This, this is a good guy. This, this, this guy right here, uh, you could find a lot worse things to do with your life than teaching of the law, right? This is a guy who knows the word. And, and, and look at it. It says this, noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer. He's so different from so many of the Pharisees who are scrutinizing everything Jesus said to catch them in a trap. No, it says that he noticed Jesus gave a good answer. And so it says that he asked them of all the commandments, which is the most important? He's saying, Jesus, I want to live my life right. I, I want to please God. What's the most important commandment? You've you got to understand, back in these days, the, the Jewish people, they had 613 religious commands that they were supposed to uphold. So can you imagine? He's going, okay, I have so many commandments. My commandments have commandments. Like, which one is most important? Like, what do I give my time to? Have you ever noticed like being a Christian, we are told to do so many things. We are, t- we, we, you know, every week it's like there's a different thing. And, and, and I was really thinking about this just for how many things we're just told to do as humans. My kids are going back to school this week. And I thought, man, kids are told so many things at school. I mean, think about when you first started going to school. It's like sit in your seat. No, sit in your seat at your desk. Keep your hands to yourself, but make friends. Hey, make sure you reach out and talk to new people. Don't talk so much right? Be quiet. Stand in line. Be friendly to people. Stop touching them, right? Have a, have a well-balanced meal. Eat everything. Don't eat too much. Uh, and, you know, and they just, it keeps going. It keeps going, right? Give 100% to your schoolwork. Do extracurricular activities. Be well-balanced. You're like, blah, blah, blah. What, what do I do? Which one do I prioritize? Imagine if a student, like, went to school and they thought the main thing is to stand in straight lines. Like, they thought that's the point of school. They might not get in trouble that much, but they probably will miss out on a lot of development. No, I can't go. I can't do anything. I'm just supposed to stand in this straight line. 
that can be like us. We can get the wrong priorities in life. So I love that Jesus is going to talk about the most important thing. You see, the most important thing, he says, of all the commandments, which is most important, that word for most important is protos. It's where we we get the word priority. And it's the definition is this, first in time or place in any succession of things or persons, first in rank or influence, it's chief, it's principle. So I love that out of this whole Bible, Jesus is going to give us the most important thing because I don't know about you, you get saved and all of a sudden someone says, here, read this book. And you're like 1,500 pages. Wow. Is there cliff notes or there, you know, is there a YouTube? I can just kind of get the, you know, and Jesus is actually going to give it to you. He's going to say, here's the most important thing. Let's break that down. He starts with, hear, O Israel. Now, do you notice this? A teacher of the law has come to him. But Jesus doesn't go, here, teacher of the law, this is what you should do. Instead, one guy answers him a question, but instead Jesus goes, here, O Israel. Who's he talking to? Everyone. He's talking to everyone. He's saying, here, O businessman. Here, O fisherman. Here, O camel herder. Here, O shepherd. Here, O stay-at-home mother. Here, kid. Here, teenage student. Here, O Israel. Here. Everyone, this is for everyone. And then he goes, the Lord. The Lord. See, it's different than the personality tests that start with us. What should I do? Well, let me see. What, how am I wired? What should I do? How, how am I motivated? Am I an E? Am I an F? You know? What? No, he says, the Lord. The Greek word for Lord is kurios. Look at what that means. He to whom a person or thing belongs. Do you know that you're not your own? You actually belong to someone else. Like, this kind of goes against everything we're taught in America. I'm free. And the Bible says, actually, you have a master. You following me? So we don't start with me. We start with the Lord. He's sovereign. He's in charge. He owns all things. So if I'm going to find out what's most important, I start with the Lord, and then it says the Lord, our God. And in fact, He's God. He's not just the master. He's actually God. He created everything. And then watch what it says next. The Lord our God is one. Why is that important? Here's what I'm finding nowadays in America with Christians. Christians will say, you know, yeah, I I go to church and and I worship God. But, you know, people in another country, well, that's cool. They, they, they go to the mosque and they worship Allah and, and that's good for them. And, and then people in Asia, a lot of them are going to the temple and it's about Buddha. And then people in the India, some continent, they go and they're Hindus and they worship one of millions of gods. And, and Jesus is actually saying, there's one God. There's one God. Now hear me, I'm not against all those people. I'm not coming against him. In fact, that's why I spend so much of my life traveling around the world because I want all people to know that God loves them. And there's one true God and his name is Jesus. 
And he's the king of kings and the Lord of lords. Guys, it doesn't even rationally make sense for us as Christians to think, you know what, all roads just lead to the same place. And whether you're worshiping Mother God or Allah or ancestral spirits, it's all good as long as you believe it with all your heart. That's like me saying, you go to the airport, you want to go to Seattle, and if you believe it with all your heart, just go to any terminal, hop on any plane, and you're going to get there. No, you're going to end up in Mexico City. Right? You wanted fish for dinner and you get frijoles. Right? You got to get on the right plane to get to the right destination. Jesus says there's one God and his arms are open to all people. Let's just get down to the heart of the matter. It says, love the Lord your God. Say, love the Lord your God. This is the most important thing, to love the Lord your God. So can I just tell you, loving the Lord your God should be your protos, your highest priority, the first thing. Can I just tell you, loving the Lord your God should be more important than doing a good job at work. Loving the Lord your God should be more important than being a great student. Loving the Lord your God should be more important than how healthy you are or how good-looking you are. Do you guys agree with me? Okay, wait, 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 wait a second, because now I'm going to step on some toes. Loving the Lord your God is actually more important than loving your spouse. Lo- loving the Lord your God is even more important than loving your children. Now, of course, let me balance myself. I'm not saying throw those things out. You know me. I love my wife. Right? I, I am desperately trying to give her a kiss, give me a kiss on stage. You've seen that. I get her up here. I'm always like, give me a kiss. She won't do it. But she did say at our 25-year church anniversary that she'll do it. So don't leave. Stay tuned. 14 years. 14 years from now. I love my wife. Uh, I love my children. If you know me, I, we just spent two, two months on sabbatical. I invested hours with my children. I, I, in the morning, I lead them in devotionals. At night, we have dinner together. I coach their teams. Well, I love my kids. I'm not saying that it's not all integrated, but I am saying there's a law of priorities. And the greatest priority of your life should be loving the Lord your God. And if we studied your life, you want it to reflect that your highest value, your chief motivation, your greatest life contribution is loving God. And how do we do that? We do that through worship. We do that through worship. Jesus goes on to say, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and all your strength. Have you ever noticed this before? That he gives this holistic way. He, he understands that we're human beings, and so we're comprised of these different aspects, heart, soul, mind, strength. And then he gives it in an order. Like, why did God put heart first? That's so interesting to me. You know, I, I know some, some men, and they're really good with their hands. Like, they have a gift of creative craftsmanship. I know one guy that built his wife, like, this amazing cabin. And I'm like, dude, that's amazing. But can you imagine if he went to his wife and said, like, that shows you 
my love. So I should never have to tell you I love you a day in my life. Like I told you when we were married at the altar, I love you. If anything changes, I'll tell you differently. But you, do, you should never have to hear it again. What would that wife say? She'd be like, um, thanks for the cabin. And um, kind of need to hear a little love, buddy. Right? We need in a healthy marriage, the only way a marriage is going to be healthy is to, to express our love emotionally. Uh, and in the same way, let me just say the opposite. I have one friend who is so good at verbose words and flowery language, and he wrote his wife so many letters. They actually have boxes in their home of love letters he's written. Okay, put us all to shame. And uh, Jason, I saw you waving. That is not you, bro. <laughs> But what if he, the writer of these letters, you know, the wife's going, hey, it's so great that you tell me you love me all the time, but would you just for once take out the trash? Like, just just do something for crying out loud once, right? We need to love the Lord with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. Now, I, I, I group those into three different categories, three different expressions of worship, right? So, Love the Lord with all your heart and your soul. That is emotional worship. We are very emotional people. You can take the most emotionless or seemingly emotionless person that's very stoic, non-expressive, and, and when they fall in love, you take the biggest, strongest football player, and all of a sudden they fall in love. You just watch them be like, hey, my, my little boo. Hey, my boo. You know, and they're, 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 they're showing their love right now. Can I just tell you, every person has emotions. And God's saying, Worship me with your emotions, with all your heart and soul. Then there's the mind. That is intellectual. God wants us not to just be emotional, but he wants us to give him our best intellectually. What does that look like? That looks like the studying of Scripture. It means diving in, masticating the word, chewing on it, right? It means memorization. It means meditation, and then the third, right, with all your strength. What does that mean? That means Romans 12, 1. Therefore, off your bodies is living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to the Lord. This is your act of worship, your acceptable act of worship. It means Colossians 3, 17, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it as unto the Lord. It, it, it means presenting your body holy and pleasing. It means serving. It means sharing the gospel. We're to do all three of these things. And then there's two callings in worship. We're all called to personal worship. That was what Jesus did when it said very early in the morning. While it was still dark, he went off to a, a lonely place to pray. We're all called to have our own relationship with God and to do these expressions of worship in that. And then we're all called to corporate worship. We're called to corporate worship. That's what I want to talk about for a moment. I want to hone in on this. I could do a whole series on worship, but let me just focus in on corporate worship for a moment. What is corporate worship? It's this. It's what we do at 5555 University Avenue on Sundays and then Saturdays starting next, next weekend. It's when the people of God come together to exalt the name of Jesus. Do you know why I go to church? It's not because it's my job. It's not because I'm a pastor. It's not because I get paid to go to church. Do you know that the last two months while we were off on sabbatical in other countries, do you know that we went to church? Do you know why? Because it's our protos. It's our 
priority. It's our most important aspect of our life to lift up the name of Jesus. And you know that corporate worship is the foundation for your lifestyle of worship. For years, the Jewish people would all go to the temple. Why? Because that's where the presence of God dwelt. They would actually experience him in a cloud of smoke. I mean, can you imagine walking in and you're like, I can barely see. What is that? God is here. And sometimes fire would fall from heaven. Can you imagine seeing fire? And it talks about glory, this glory realm. Oh, my heart just longs for that. And that's, that's not the common experience these days. Every once in a while, you'll hear something like that happening. And I, I want it. You better believe I will be on the front row. I will be crawling, clawing over you to get there if that cloud comes. But when we come together, the Bible says we're two or more gathered. He's there with us. The Bible talks about the church being the household of God. And when we gather in his name, he's actually here with us. Jesus actually made it his priority to go to the temple to meet with God. The disciples, they would go on the Lord's day on the first day of the week. Can I just tell you, there's nothing better to do on the first day of the week than to meet with the people of God. And guess what? I'm preaching to the choir because you're here. So way to go. Way to put the most important thing first in your life. But can I just tell you, there will be a day where you wake up and you don't feel like going to church. Like that, that happens to me. Well, I don't, I don't feel it. You know, I, maybe I, I just want to stay in bed, right? Just gonna, I'm going to go to Bedside Baptist today, Lord, right? <laughs> just resting in your word, <laughs> right? Why do I get up? Why do I go join the people of God? Because it's the most important, right? Because, you know, it's not because I feel it. It's because he is worthy, it's not about my feelings. It's because he is worth it. You know, there's going to be a day where there's a football game on, and you're going to think it's more entertaining. I, you know me. I love football. But can I tell you, I've got a higher priority, and his name is Jesus. And I'm going to come together with the family, and we're going to lift up his name together. Because my greatest priority is to love the Lord. There's going to be a day where La Jolla it is the perfect conditions. The sun is shining. The waves are peeling. But I'm going to say, Lord, you are my priority. La Jolla, you can wait. I'm coming for the Lord right now. Right? Why? It's because I, I, I'm getting to the basic motivations of life. Do you worship because you feel like it? Or do you worship because he is worthy? Do you worship because you want to? Or do you worship because he is most important? I want to honor God with my life. But here's the amazing thing is the Bible says this. As you step in and say, I'm going to worship because he's worthy. I'm going to worship because it's the most important thing. I'm going to worship because he's called me to. I'm going to worship because my highest calling is ministry to the Lord. The amazing thing is as you step into that, then he goes, draw near to God, and I'll draw near to you. And he starts touching me. He starts melting my heart. He starts letting me experience his presence. I love what C.S. Lewis says. This is, this is just amazing. If you're, if you're in the Bible app, we, we encourage you to, to get the Bible app on your phone or your computer. It's the red and white one with the little B on it, and it helps you read through the whole Bible. Most of us leaders do that in the church. I encourage you to just jump in anytime into that. But you would have seen this commentary this past week from C.S. Lewis. You know who he is, the author of Chronicles of Narnia? 
real famous theologian, he writes, the most obvious fact about praise strangely escaped me. I had never noticed that all enjoyment, this gets my attention because I, I love to enjoy life, all enjoyment spontaneously overflows into praise. The world rings with praise. Walkers praising the countryside. Players praising their favorite game. Praise of the weather, of wines, dishes, actors, horses, colleges, countries, historical personages, children, flowers, mountains, rare stamps, rare books, even sometimes politicians. Sometimes. And scholars. I think we delight to praise what we enjoy because the praise not merely expresses but completes the enjoyment. It is its appointed consummation. You, you see what he's saying? He's, he's saying this, that maybe if you're not enjoying your Christian life, maybe it's because you're not praising. Because praising completes your enjoyment. You step into praise, not because you feel like it, but because he's worthy. But then all of a sudden you find yourself enjoying the Lord. I didn't start off as one who always wanted to praise, but I tell you, the more I praise, the more I fell in love. Listen to what Nikki Gummel says. In other words, worship is the consummation of joy. Our joy is not complete until it's expressed in worship. It's out of his love for you that God created you to worship. According to the Westminster Shorter Catechism, humankind's chief end is to glorify God. Your chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. I'm telling you, step up to worship even when you don't feel like it. But the amazing thing about God is when you say, God, I'm coming because it's all about you, then God's so amazing because then he turns it and says, then I'm all about you. Isn't that incredible? God is so good. So let's just talk our, our last remaining few minutes about corporate worship. Corporate worship. We always start with singing. Have you ever wondered like, why do we always start by singing in church? Why are we always singing? Does the church just love music? Does the church just love to sing? Is that, do you know why we start with singing? It's not because we, we, we love music more than everyone else. It's, it's because that is God's appointed style of worship. David, King David, who sat up, set up the tabernacle and then helped his son set up the temple. It says he saw the order. And look what he did. Once he saw the order, it said, David also, in 1 Chronicles 15, David also commanded the chiefs of the Levites, so these are the priests, to appoint their brothers as the singers who should play loudly on musical instruments. Some of you are like, gosh, why is all people's music so loud? It's just, we're biblical. <laughs> on harps and, and lyres and cymbals to raise sounds of joy, Right? Worship should be joyful, right? You know, I, I grew up in a church. Maybe some of you guys grew up in church. Probably half of the room grew up in a church. And um, in our church growing up, uh, men didn't sing. I don't know why. I don't know if they thought it wasn't manly or if it looked too emotional or they didn't think they had good voices. But men, were, you know, if they sang, they were kind of like, oh, man. Like they wouldn't let it go, you know? It's like, it's kind of like the, the original rap, you know? Um, can I just tell you, we don't sing because we're comfortable. We don't sing because we have good voices. We sing songs because the Bible tells us to sing. 
because that is the appropriate form of expressing our love to the King of Kings. Right? The Bible says this, Psalm 95.1, Come, let us sing for joy to the Lord. Ephesians 5.19 says, Sing and make music from your heart to the Lord. Psalm 98 says, Sing to the Lord a new song. I could go on and on and on. The Lord loves for his people to sing to him. And so that's why I come and I sing to the Lord. I, I, I want to have a biblical form of worship. Now, let me just tell on myself for a minute. So since I grew up in a church where like men didn't do that, I remember when I first started coming into a, a a church and worship services that had biblical forms of worship. And what I mean is biblical is like people that are singing with all their heart, people that even shouted to the Lord because it's in this book, people that raised their hands. I remember the first time I saw people raising their hands in church. I was like, oh my gosh, these people are. And I thought, if you're going to raise your hand, at least raise them this way to receive because this way it's going to push God back. I mean, where do we get these things? What? I mean, we just get these weird things in our minds, right? It's totally unbiblical. And then people, some people were like dancing around, swaying. I'm like, uh-uh, not in church. That, you, you're just trying to bring glory to yourself. I mean, really, is that glory to yourself when like a grown big man is, <laughs> no, that's not glory. That is not glory. <laughs> and so I would come in, I would come into worship and I'd just be like, um, just like, you know, looking at people like total ADD, right? You know? And I know you can't imagine that. And, um, and then if the music started getting good, if it started touching me, maybe then I would actually close my eyes, right? You know, and if I really felt it, you know, I might go like, <laughs> I'm raising holy hands, you know, I'm, I'm like, I, I I don't want to fully commit. You know, I'm going to hedge my bets. I don't want anybody to think I'm weird, but, you know, and then, then, I'm, then I'm back down. But the, the, the longer I went, you know, then someone would say, raise your hands to the Lord. And I'd be like, right, kind of, <laughs> score! Um, but you know what happened? I started reading the Bible. Can I just say that again? I started reading the Word of God. And I saw that, that it, it says, sing aloud. So I couldn't anymore go, I realized, no, I actually need to sing aloud. It actually says shout aloud. So although, like, I grew up in a more subtle environment, you see, oftentimes we even pick churches by what's comfortable to us because it's about us, not him. So I started reading the Bible, and it says shout aloud. And so I thought, oh, my gosh, I'm going to look like a fanatic. Hallelujah. Praise God. Right? I've done it. I've done it, right? And then I'd raise my hand for a little longer, right? And, and can, I, can I just be really honest with you? Um, even to this day, I, I can be distracted. Uh, Hannah gave the most, Hannah Weatherhead preached on Mother's Day. She gave the most amazing illustration about our souls being like toddlers, Right? And, and, and they just wonder, and you have to, like, command them, like, focus in. So she was like, little Johnny, it's time to put on your shoe. And Johnny's like, no, no, I don't, you know, I, I don't want to. Little Johnny, stop hitting your sister. Put on your shoe. Johnny, take the shoe, put it on your foot. Johnny, get your finger out of your nose. Johnny, put your, you know, and John, focus, fo look at me, look at, okay, I'm going to help you put on your shoe. Can I just tell you, that's how I have to be with myself in worship. 
Have you ever noticed that? I walk in, I'm like, oh, wow, Jim's here today. Oh, Sally is here. Oh, she doesn't look too happy with her husband. Oh, wow. Oh, man, why is Stephen singing this song? Man, <laughs> didn't even make the top ten this week. Come on, man. Come on. You know, and, and, man, if you're just singing, and, and I just, and so I have to be to my soul. You know, Robert, focus. Mind, worship the Lord with all your might. Mind, focus on Jesus. Mind, stop thinking about the chargers. Mind, stop thinking about lunch. Mind, and I'm telling my mind, right? I tell my mind, Robert, close your eyes. I don't want to close my eyes. There's too many distracting, shiny things in this room. Robert, close your eyes. Okay, eyes are closed. Robert, step into worship. I don't want to step in. I don't feel like I'm so tired I didn't get enough sleep last night. Robert, step in. Robert, raise your hands. I don't want to raise my hands. I don't want, I'll be the only one raising my hand. This isn't the moment in the song where you raise your hands. Robert, raise your hands anyway. I don't want to. That's going to look weird. It's going to, no, Robert, raise your hands anyway. Ah, close your eyes. Ah, sing. Ha! Ah, you know? <laughs> Because it's not about me. Robert, say God is good. I don't feel like he's good. This hasn't been a good week. God is good anyway, Robert. Say it. God is good. Say it again. God, you're good. And the amazing thing is, inevitably, he starts touching me. But I don't start because I feel like it. I don't start because I want to. I start because he's worthy. Whether it was a bad week, whether it was a great week, he is on the throne. He is the king of kings, and he deserves all praise. And the most important thing, and my greatest contribution on this earth, is to minister to the Lord. So let me end with, back to the Enneagram. You might be a one, or you might be a seven. You might be a three or a five. You might be on the Myers-Briggs, a feeler, or you might be a thinker. You might have one gift, or you might have another. But you know what? Our highest contribution for all of us is the same thing. What's most important is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, to worship him with everything in you. And that's why I love the Lion King. On our last day of our sabbatical, before we're going to fly back, we had a red-eye flight, and so we had some time to kill. And so we go to see the new Lion King. And, oh, I just love it. I, my favorite part of the movie is the opening. Like, what movie can you say that about? You know, and you're like, oh. What, did you feel that? And, and, and Rafiki, he's got it right. He goes, the little monkey goes and picks up the son of the king. And he walks forward and he lifts him up. And then all the animals, the tall, unique giraffes with their long necks and those striped zebras and the, the crazy monkeys that are jumping around and the elegant gazelles with their long horns, they all look so different. They all have different gifts and different abilities. But when the king is lifted up, all focus goes to him. And then they bow down to exalt him. Let's finish by watching that. 
This is the original Lion King. Church, we all have our unique giftings, callings, and abilities, but we're all at our best when we put what's most important as our highest priority, lifting up the king. And we have something so much greater than baby Simba. We have the king of kings and the Lord of lords. His name is Jesus. Will you stand up with me? 